Hello listeners, it's Lewis. Just a quick message to let you know we're off next week, but we will be back on Wednesday the 21st of July with quite possibly our longest episode of Muppetsational ever, covering the iconic Vincent Price. There was a lot to talk about. (laughs) Until then, enjoy this week's episode, keep spreading the word about the podcast, and we'll be back in two weeks. Bye! Hello and welcome to Muppetsational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's season one, episode 18, starring the sassy Phyllis Diller. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jay Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here this week as we are every week to discuss another episode of The Muppet Show. Jade, why didn't you hit us with a little production information? Of course. So, this episode was originally broadcast on the 5th of December 1976. The production code lists it as the 18th episode made, and therefore Disney Plus have included it as episode 18. So nice of them. Yes! (laughs) It was written by Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell, and directed by Peter Harris. And Emma, please... Enlighten us yes. about <laughs> Phyllis Diller. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Phyllis Diller. Iconic laugh, number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Phyllis Diller was a, a comedian and actress, and she was one of the first women to establish a long and successful career in comedy. She was in television shows, variety shows, comedy shows. She did voice work. Um, she was in films. She played the did the voice of the uh, the Queen in A Bug's Life. <laughs> I knew you were going to mention. She that. was on Laughing, Hollywood Squares, The Gong Show. She had the Phyllis Diller Show. She died in 2012, and in her obituary, the New York Times called her a sassy comedian. I just love her vibe. She gives me like Endora vibes. She's kind of nutty. Her laugh. Yeah. She's great. She is amazing. She seems so much fun. <laughs> there is just something about her vibe. She's such a like abroad. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. There is some. Yeah. And yeah. She's so campy and just her voice and the laugh. It's just. I mean, I don't know what frequency it is in gay men that make women like this sort of. They appeal to us so much, but they are just so great. <laughs> Oh, she's a dream. I know we don't normally talk about the fuzzy opening joke during the credit sequence, but I really loved this one this mm. week where he was rambling on and then the curtains just cut <laughs> the curtains just cut him off. I know. And then he was like, Hey, I wasn't finished and I was like I was like oh I was like, Fuzzy, it was clearly a terrible joke, so I'm glad the curtains <laughs> shut. But like I just loved it. Like I just it was a really, really fun start to the episode. <laughs> That's just reminded me of um when I was on tour a couple of years ago, there was a bit at the end of Act One where one of the other actors on stage had a very like mysterious, slightly cliffhangery ending and he had to do like a turnout to the audience and be like perfect 
Perfect. <laughs> and it would be very slow and very creepy. And one night he did, he got out his first perfect and he was doing his long dramatic turn and obviously the crew didn't realise that he had a second part of the line so they just <laughs> pressed the button to go and so the lights went off and the curtains went down and you could see him going like, I haven't finished my line. <laughs> <laughs> and he loved his little perfect perfect and so he was so angry to have it cut off. We were pissing ourselves backstage. <laughs> oh, we were like giggling for the rest of the like following scene because we just knew how peeved he would have been that he had his big, his big moment cut. <laughs> just seeing him so confused in the dark. <sighs> I feel like that's what Fozzie felt like this episode because he basically decided like, okay, screw you, Frog. I'm going to take over all your hosting duties <laughs> for this episode. Like... <laughs> We barely saw Kermit. It was all Fozzie. Like, Fozzie did the intro. Fozzie did the talk spot. Fozzie did the goodbyes. Yeah, he, I I don't think he was, I don't think Fozzie has still forgiven Kermit for that. Especially after he then went through the trap door. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That was very mean of Kermit. But he got his comeuppance. It was. And I love any of the puppet, like the, the puppeteering of them falling falling down. Yeah. Yeah. Fozzie was spectacular. He really, like, he, like, totally looked like he just... It looked like a cartoon. There should have been, like, the lines and, like, a puff of smoke at the top of him after he'd gone. (laughs) This felt like a pretty zany episode off the bat. Between the Fozzie opening, Crazy Harry blowing up Gonzo's O, and then going straight into the jug band with Mississippi Mud. Like, there was a lot of high energy, (laughs) it felt like, immediately. Madcap. Yeah, completely. Yeah. It was a real crazy episode, but I enjoyed it. It was it, there was a certain zip and zazz to it that I I, I found uh, sort of fun. But this uh, this first sketch, I think it's pretty known to our listeners now that we are perhaps the biggest fans of the Hick Muppets, <laughs> and uh, this was just another variation on the same theme. Except this time they've got their creepy little feet out and they're stomping Ugh. about in some mud. It was so confusing. I was watching it and I was like, oh, I, their feet and it's real mud and it was weird and they were like hick muppets and yeah, it was like, yeah. considering all the other openings we've had recently, I just thought it was really strange that we kind of went back to the jug band again. But then again, like you both said, it kind of set the tone for this episode because it was quite crazy and zany and a bit all over the place. Mm. I didn't mind in a way that we started with the jug band because it was a fun kind of song but i did actually really not enjoy looking at those weird toes in the mud like it was actually quite disturbing and the fact that like i know last episode i was really raving about how the camera work and everything has come on but then the fact that in this episode that meant that their newfound close-up and panning meant that we actually got close-up and panning of their toes in the mud i was like Go back to the wide. Go back to the wide. <laughs> like, do not, I do not need to see that. I don't know about you two as well. I felt like they'd like done some like kind of like bleaching effect on the colour for this little number as well. Like it looked quite washed out. I wonder if it was because maybe the mud wasn't scanning on the uh, cameras yeah, or good, the, good their thinking. feet sort of stomping weren't scanning. So yeah. they had to lighten it all to then uh, get that effect. Yeah. Ugh, the idea of touching those Muppet toes after they've been in that mud, just, just 
squishy and weird. There's a reason that Scooter was yelling at them to wipe their feet afterwards. I know, well, I know you're probably still not on the Scooter Scooter, Lewis. It's the but, one uh... time that I've agreed with Scooter. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly. on the Scooter Scooter, but I may be giving him a push <laughs> on the Scooter Scooter. Still no. away, away from me, but still <laughs> helping. Well, if we've scooted ourselves backstage, I think it might be time to talk about this week's unprecedented runner of... <laughs> Hilda! 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 Yay! Hilda having a crisis. <laughs> Hilda having a midlife at 35. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Lol. What a... Bizarre, fun, crazy <laughs> runner this was. I'd love to know your thoughts. <laughs> I really liked the idea that we had Hilda as the main impetus for the runner and she had sort of very brief interactions with the other Muppets but it was basically all Hilda wasn't it Mm. and it was quite interesting that they were playing on the host it all started because she asked the question about essentially has Phyllis had some work done and Scooter was like yeah sure she's extremely open about it and then Hilda was like oh great okay well I, I need to I need to up my game and I thought it was I mean, arguably, obviously quite a dated joke and like through line just in terms of like, oh, there's someone who needs a bit of a makeover and and the joke that she's clearly styled as a much older woman. And then she's like, I'm 35 and whatever. But yeah, I, I, I liked that it was a runner about a Muppet who we know doesn't last the test <laughs> of time. <laughs> and like, you know, it was nice to see her get her moment in the spotlight. Her only and I moment. Also thought, <laughs> yeah, they they clearly had quite a lot of fun, especially by the end when she's in that little slinky pink number, like Marilyn Monroeing it up. And like, I mean, she does look like she's in drag, to be honest, yeah. doesn't she? Like, I mean, my girdle had a blowout. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Emma, what did you think of the runner? Yeah, I thought it was quite funny. It kind of gave me Mildred kind of like vibes when she came mm-hmm. to like front and centre in the um, the Charles episode. And I was like, mm. oh, Hilda's time to shine, like you said, Jade. And yeah, it was quite funny. I mean, like you say, they kind of did really play on the fact that like Phyllis had had some work done. And then I ju- it just made me laugh when she said, well, I'm 35. And you're like, clearly you're not, Hilda. Like... <laughs> Things were bad in the old country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'd lived through a war. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were, I mean, as you say, Jade, there were a few jokes that were a bit kind of uh, the 70s. Like the, yeah. the old thing that she, was it 35 at the waist or below yeah. the waist? You'd be like, and, you know, them looking to camera as if, ah, you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, I know I always go on about this, but when Hilda came out in the ginger wig at one point backstage, that is the colour that I want you to dye your hair. <laughs> you would look so good with that colour hair, and I don't get why you won't do it. <laughs> I, I do like that colour, and I have thought about it, but it's really high maintenance having red hair, and I don't know if I can be bothered. <laughs> oh, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> You don't even know what your natural hair colour is anymore. I mean, you've been like highlighting it since you were like 13. True. <laughs> Be a redhead. Maybe one day. Do it. It is a lot of upkeep, especially when it's so far away from your natural tone like that. Your roots obviously start showing immediately. <laughs> I mean, as somebody who's 
not exactly a natural blonde. I I am aware of the uh, the upkeep, although my hair is much shorter. Obviously. It's shorter, and also like you're very fair naturally. Like I think when you go from something Thanks. that's when you move so far away from your natural color, like Emma would be if she was to dye it red, even like two millimeters is noticeable, isn't it? So I yeah. suppose so. Fine, just get a really good wig instead. <laughs> oh, you could do that. I could do, but I don't like wigs. I'm like scared of them. <laughs> What? I have a wig phobia. I don't like them. What? What do you mean a wig phobia? Where is this going? <laughs> <from? laughs> yeah. What? How did that manifest? I don't know. I just find wigs really creepy. That's why I don't. I never like put them on ever. Well, what situation are you in? We've been putting them on. <laughs> I was going to say, how many times have you been offered the chance to put a wig on and that to go? No, no, no I have a terrible fear. Please <laughs> take it away. Take it away. <laughs> Thank God I never became a drag queen, Emma. We'd never see each other again. (laughs) You'd have to be one of those drag queens that never wears wigs, Lewis. The hell I would. (laughs) (laughs) Emma, what is it? Is it the meshy bit? What is it that you don't like? I think it's just like the fake hair. I just don't like it. Well, you can get real hair ones, Emma. (laughs) No, but it's just creepy. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Let's let's work out your hair dye situation later, Emma. But moving moving on, (laughs) Phyllis's first... Not really a number, I guess, because she doesn't she doesn't sing or dance. Act. Yeah, her first act. I loved turn. Her first turn, yes, her first turn. I loved that Kermit introduced her and said she makes Gonzo the Great seem like Sir Laurence Olivier. I was like, <laughs> I know, I made a note of that. <laughs> really funny. Um, what did you two make of this? Because I'll be honest, I didn't love it. <gasps> yeah, I loved this. <laughs> Sailor, you new in town? Do you make it a habit of annoying beautiful women? Yes, but since there are none around, I'll go ahead and annoy you. Why are you hounding me? I'm a hound. What should I do, people you? Cut the comedy. I'm depressed. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, let me buy you a drink. I don't drink with strangers. I'm Phyllis. I'm Ralph. (laughs) I'll have a triple cream soda on the rocks. At first, I was not sure, and then I just completely fell in love with it. As it kept going on and on, and all of these little one-liners, I just, oh, it was really working for me. Yeah, I I quite enjoyed it. Like you said, when it first opened and it was like the club scene again, I was like, oh no, we're going back to like Joel Grey. (laughs) But they actually kind of, I felt like they fleshed it out a bit more and it had a bit more atmosphere to it. Mm. And then obviously we saw Rolf at the piano and then Phyllis came in. And yeah, I thought it was quite good. The like patter, the like one-liners. I love the fact that Rolf kind of brought in the the lassie thing again. He was like, "Lassie left me." That was one of the only bits that genuinely made me laugh. I was like, "I was like, we've got a bit of continuity here." Rolf is like pining after Lassie. What what did he say? She left him left him for Francis the talking the talking mule. mule. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I like it. Yeah. Oh, there were such good lines in this though. Um, <sighs> Phyllis is. I don't drink with strangers. I'm Phyllis. <laughs> it's like, stealing that, <laughs> thank you, putting that in the pocket. I think I just found this, like, 
incredibly dated a lot of the one-liners like it's just not a style of comedy that I particularly respond or like when it's done like this particularly respond to and I I looked up some more of her sketches and things on YouTube to see whether it was actually just like oh it's just her on the Muppet show that's not quite working for me Mm. and like I watched a good 15 minutes or so of Phyllis Diller on YouTube and I didn't laugh once I just don't think that her style jibes with you know whatever it is that I'm looking for and and like I totally get what you're saying Lewis like she does seem like she's a lot of fun and I'm sure like if I had been with her in real life like I'm sure we would have had a laugh but just watching her deliver these one-liners I mean they were all vaguely predictable and I just the sketch did build a little bit and I liked it when the Muppets were gathering round because they obviously were all enjoying what her and Rolf were saying but I just didn't I just didn't love it I kind of I felt like and I felt like I guess because I didn't love it I felt like it was very long like it just seemed to keep going I didn't feel like it was long at all I just really enjoyed it you mentioned the uh, other Muppets coming to circle around them and uh, enjoy uh, their back and forth. I just want to shout out the uh, the waitress Muppet making the absolute most out of her moment on camera to be somebody <laughs> said my name. Turn, nod, and walk away. I was like, that is somebody who knows how to make the most out of no lines. <laughs> as soon as I saw her, I was like, Lewis is gonna love her. <laughs> I was hoping she was coming back. I I wanted more little waitress. She she looked fun. <laughs> But that's, look, that's, and she left an impression because she took her time with every beat and every moment. That's how you make the audience remember. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, comedy is so subjective, isn't it? And and I, and you are right. This kind of style of humour, the sort of, um, you know, a one-liner or a pun or a, you know, punchline, it's, it's very of the 50s, 60s, and I guess into the 70s as well. I think it's one of the things that they talk about, you know, when like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel first mm-hmm. came out, the uh, the sort of material that she is doing, the sort of more observational humour wasn't so much of a thing at that well, time. Well, I think it would have been, it like, it probably was almost exclusively in like the underground of comedy. Yes. You know, like it, yes, her performing at the Gaslight in that style was probably like, maybe not too familiar, but you know, it certainly existed, but mm. her going mm. on a chat show or, you know, like when she does the, the fundraiser telephone <gasps> thing, oh, yeah, that is you know, like episode. that's probably not when you would have seen that. You would have definitely much more seen this sort of Phyllis Diller style. Mm. I mean, Endora is a great shout, Emma. I facially with the big eyebrows and everything, like it's very sort of Joan Crawford-esque, just with this very heightened, trying to really accentuate every aspect of, of her oh, face. Oh, yeah. They were absolutely not her genuine eyebrows. They were... No. Yeah, like either painted over or shaved off completely and redrawn. Yeah, drawn yeah. on. But I was the same as you, Lewis. I was kind of thinking, like, this is the Sophie character. So the Sophie Lennon character in Marvelous Mrs. Yes. Maisel. Like, Phyllis Diller clearly has got a slightly more sophisticated uh, comedy palette because she's not just saying the same punchline over and over again. Like they set Sophie up to do on that but it's clearly Mm. in the same vein of comedy isn't it yeah if you saw I'm trying to think if the sort of the only alternate I can think to maybe um Phyllis Diller would obviously have been Joan Rivers yeah at that period of time and her style was a bit more observational there were still you know puns and also a lot of jokes at her own expense 
But there was more kind of like, you know, you build the story, you make the joke, uh, rather than just sort of like a beep, bam, 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 bam. And I think for me, like Joan Rivers and Elaine Stritch are much more my wavelength in terms of comedy like that and i love them too i mean yeah. I, i'm it's a very broad church to be honest for me <laughs> <laughs> as long, if it's a woman doing it i'm usually pretty much like love it just give me more of it <laughs> yeah. i did i mean the other than the lassie line the other two that i enjoyed were when she made the joke about the beauty parlor and the beautician said they do repairs not reclamation i was like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. i like that and i also that was good she then led into immediately and the hairdresser told her to fix her hair by lighting a match. <laughs> I was yeah. like, they both made me giggle, but the rest of it, I was very just sort of essentially just waiting for something ha- to happen that made me laugh. <laughs> Wait, waiting for something to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the same kind of patter, wasn't it? And I, like, totally, if you like that, then it's great. But if it's not... If, <laughs> if it's, you like that sort of thing. <laughs> if it's not tickling you, then... I think, you know, that's the reason I found it. Like, it just sort of kept going. And I was like, okay. I wanted something a little bit more from it. Fair enough. Statler and Waldorf were also very sassy this episode, I felt like. They were. Yeah. There's some, I mean, I won't jump ahead, but it's furthering my uh, headcanon that uh, Statler and Waldorf (laughs) are absolutely a couple. (laughs) Without question. But no, they got some very good uh, jibes at one another and the... uh, and the entertainment. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good fun. To go back a little bit, <laughs> when when Statler was saying, bravo, bravo, wonderful. And then Wardorf was like, you're not facing the stage. And he's like, why do you have to ruin it for me? I was like, oh my God. Like, just typical Statler and Wardorf, but I loved it. I hope it's a laugh and not actually a sign of senility. <laughs> and then your favourite Muppet comes back, Lou, Mr. Newsreader and the News Flash and Accent Showcase reappears. <laughs> Accent Showcase. Accent Showcase. Yeah, Phyllis uh, plays Mrs. Shepherd, who decides to... Uh... Beverly Shepherd. <laughs> Beverly, Beverly Shepherd. <laughs> who decides she's going to fly to Dallas with her wings and she does a like southern accent. But I do love the end of the gag where she explains the wings, how she's created them, what she's going to do. And then she said she got on a plane to Dallas. <laughs> she flew to it Dallas. Great. It was a good little twist. It was funny. <laughs> it was. And it was quite nice that it was like short and sweet. And also like the gag actually made sense this week because I know we've had it sometimes. Where we're like, what? What are we missing? Have we mi-? like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Her hair was insane <laughs> on fire was so funny like it looked like she had put her finger into an electrical socket which actually coincidentally is a joke she made on the Liberace show clip that I watched last night on YouTube but anyway <laughs> <laughs> and then she was flapping those wings around was like, this is and very just good. her crazy looks yeah. around from left to right oh I thought it was so great it started making me. It's like <laughs> it started thinking what it would be like having to sit next to that yes. crazy woman on your flight to Dallas, <laughs> which then made me think of that uh, Ad Bryan uh, Weekend Update sketch where she's playing the worst woman you could sit next to on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> it's no suitcases and twelve loose carrier bags. <laughs> I'd be pressing that button to move. I'd be like, "Excuse me, I need to move. I need to move. You can't move until we've taken off. Let me move now." <laughs> <laughs> If I got onto the plane and somebody was sat there with those wings and that hair, I think I'd probably just be like, 
I'm not getting on this flight. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> I need to get off this flight. This does. This does not bode well. And also, you think because it was the 70s, were they still allowed to smoke on planes as well? Yes, oh, absolutely, 100%. still smoking. Absolutely. It's like that the- tinfoil was going up. <laughs> not just the tinfoil, the hair as well, Jade. The hair was going up too. Yeah, big time. <laughs> I always remember watching it. It's an episode of um, Murder She Wrote. Where it's like a bottle episode and they're all on a plane and somebody gets murdered. And just seeing people on the plane just casually smoking and just being like, what? It terrifies me. That How did they think that was safe? <laughs> but I think it's like, there was never a plane that blew up because somebody had a cigarette on it. If you know what I mean. Like, you never heard of any incidents where... I mean, I hope not. <laughs> I feel like I we would have. So. We, I feel like we would know that if that happened. Well, also to be honest, I remember getting on the plane and people smoking at the back. And I guess if that had happened, yeah, if it exactly. had blown up a plane, they would have obviously stopped that. Yeah. So. Do you know the one that I can never get over? Sorry, this is a proper tangent, but when they first launched the underground and it was with steam trains, it was non-smoking because they were obviously like, "There's already the steam. Like that's not a great idea." Everyone kicked off because obviously at the time everyone could smoke everywhere. So they then let people smoke on the underground. And that I just find mental. That it was like, they originally were like, no, that's not a good idea. And then they just caved to public pressure and were like, yeah, sure, get on with it. And it was still steam trains at the time. Anyway. London would have been grimy as hell. I mean, it's not exactly clean now, but... (laughs) No. (laughs) Touch as little as possible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that was before the pandemic you know now like <laughs> we don't addre- we don't talk about the pandemic on the podcast jade it's a safe space in here <laughs> muppets only Muppets only. well muppets and bizarre diversions into whatever else we talk about <laughs> <laughs> speaking of bizarre diversions uh i did not mind the ballroom this week no i actually found it pretty amusing like it had its dips as well but like on the whole Dip. dips Sorry, didn't mean to actually <laughs> jump ahead there. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Would you like some guacamole with your dips? <laughs> no, it was good fun. Like there was there were some decent gags in there, and I'm pretty sure what Lewis has already mentioned, or what Lewis has already referred to, I was so happy when I saw Statler and Waldorf dancing together. Statler and Waldorf are a couple. It is <laughs> I am not taking any other concept or idea now. They are in love. They've been together for 50 years. They're long-suffering. Statler and Waldorf are gay. I'm calling it now, officially. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so happy to see them in it. Like, it was yeah. such a nice little, yeah. little nugget. And the fact that they even mentioned, like, it's good to get out of the box. I was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so I just cute. wanted to see them gently kiss each other in the background <laughs> of another g- gag happening. Just have them just put a little closer, just a little quaint smooch and just keep dancing. <laughs> I did also enjoy Janice and the little green monster, <laughs> the garlic and fire gag, just out of nowhere. But Just completely bizarre. But I did like it. I'm yeah. relieved it wasn't real fire and it was just an overlay effect because... <laughs> The other stuff that happens in this episode, I fear for the hands and extremities <laughs> of these puppeteers. <laughs> Emma, what did you make of the ballroom this week? Yeah, it was just really fun. It was nice to see 
one where we weren't sat there being like, oh no, here we go again. So yeah, it was actually quite refreshing to see something a bit different, a bit fun. Um, I mean, obviously they they love chucking in a bit of fire or explosions. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't a surprise to see that. But at least like you say, it was an overlay and poor Janice wasn't like burnt to a crisp or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I've just been thinking about it and I guess it's almost a little bit self-referential with Statler and Waldorf doing the dip. Yeah. It's, it's a callback. And it's that idea that they have been watching the show, like it or not. Like, you know, <laughs> they have their season ticket and they have seen every episode and they know the gags. And that's that's kind of nice. I don't necessarily know if we've seen that much of that yet. The runners only generally last the episode. Like, yes, dip has been a bit of a consistent at, at the dance, but it's always been animal and his little whatnot girl, hasn't it? Like, mm. it's never extended out. So that's quite nice. Yeah. The only other runner I can think of is a few episodes where we got cute joke. Yes. Cute. That's or true. cute bit. Cute. Yeah. But that was the only. And even yeah. then, that was maybe two episodes that I think it happened. And then they forgot or didn't care. <laughs> I just I was going to say, we, we didn't have any of that this week, did we? So. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> Do you reckon Phyllis Diller was in the writing room and was just like, nope, <laughs> not saying that? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, to be honest. Now, I know we mentioned upsetting feet at the opening of this episode. I was quite alarmed by Dr. Teeth's hands in the UK spot that followed the At The Dance sketch. There was just something a little creepy about seeing them that close that was not pleasant. I had a lot of questions. I'm guessing that's someone's fingers. Yeah, in... that's what I thought. They were like yeah. moving around like crazy and they were yeah. so dexterous. I was like, that must be someone's hands. But then how was that someone's hand? And then how were they moving the head as well? So is that two people? It'll be two people. It would be yeah. a person with both their hands on the piano because the way that Dr. Teeth is structured, the sort of, mm. what would you call that, a hem? No, fringing along his coat or his arms, hides the puppeteer's arms underneath his arms. And then you just have another person operating the head. So they literally put on some Muppet glove hands to play that piano. Yeah, it was a bit like, I don't know. Like, I know this is the UK spot, but the whole rendition of Lazy Bones... I just found it a bit boring, if I'm honest. There was that that wobbly effect. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> I know. We went back into like 70s yeah. effects vibe with the slides and the like blooming visuals yeah, and the... the cuts and the fades and everything. It was so fillery. Absolutely. Yeah. This was also slightly triggering because this song, Lazy Bones, I used to work at a, a 1940s themed cocktail bar. And uh, on a Sunday afternoon, it was often quite quiet and this song would usually play about 2.30, 3pm. And I knew I was going to still be there till about 11pm. <laughs> and I'd be standing there being like, I cannot believe I've got seven more hours of this shift. And also I'm so hungover. And also I'm 20 blank years old. Why am I working at a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of teen. <laughs> so yeah, I was not enjoying any part of this. <laughs> the one thing I did note down... Other than noting that the framing, when it cut to that like three split, looked like an album cover, was just generally, I want Janice's cheekbones. I thought Janice's cheekbones looked great in this. I think it was the lighting. But other than that, meh, very much filler. Just filler, filler, filler. Unlike the talk spot this week, which I absolutely loved. I don't know what you both felt about it. I thought it was really nice. It was really refreshing to see Fozzie again. And like the interaction between him and Phyllis as like 
two comedians. Well, Phyllis is probably a comedian. <laughs> Fozzie is getting there slowly. Um, and the fact that she's giving him tips, like to become a better comedian and like land the joke and land the gag. I just thought it was really funny. And some of the lines she came up with, like Fang is so cheap. He scotch taped a pine cone under each arm. I mean, come on. That's great. And the it fact that she kind of tries to teach him to say a gag and then he kind of like kind of gets it, but kind of doesn't. And then he's she says, you got to learn to lie. And he's like, but I can't lie. And she's like, well, you need to learn to lie to be a comedian or you could make it into politics. So, yeah, I just thought it was a really fun bit. It was a lot of fun. I just need to shout out very briefly. Fuzzy baby. <laughs> just just calling him Fuzzy baby. You gotta learn a lie. <laughs> She's so cool. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed this the most out of all of her bits of the episode. Mm. And I felt like you obviously got to see her character, like as in her actual personality, more in this than when she was just trying to reel off the one-liners with Rolf. Or obviously like the little bit of nonsense at the end with the entertainer and the saxophone. So I do totally get that she's clearly a lot of fun because I think like you saw that here. There was so much yeah. sort of sass and, you know, she was buying into this conversation with Fozzie, but she was also sort of playing it up for the camera. And there was a lot of attitude there, which was really fun to see because I think, you know, at this point we've seen a lot of these talk spots and they do they do work best when you actually get a sense of the host rather than it just being all for some sort of gag or setup or if it if it's actually too muppet heavy like if it's mainly sort of kermit and miss piggy doing the talking and the guest host barely gets a word in you know this this was great because it was just phyllis and fozzy and i mean fozzy was just amazing in this his reactions and the way that he was like playing with phyllis like when he like nuzzled his head into her but also when he was like laughing or shaking his head or whatever like I just loved seeing Fozzy in this I thought he was absolutely incredible and there's still that little bit of a sense like you said Emma that he's this up-and-coming comedian and that he hasn't quite found it yet and he's obviously in awe of Phyllis she's obviously someone that he does look up to but it just all felt right like everything just felt like it was really clicking Mm. in this sketch he just had a really nice vibe to him and it was not that he was a sad sack comedian. He was just not a great comedian. Yeah. And that's nicer yeah. to watch than him just continuing to fail and fail and fail on stage while Statler and Waldorf sort of get another zinger up on him. Yeah, I agree. And the puppeteering of him was so sweet and nicely done. Just felt so alive and real. And yeah, just his sort of leans and his head and his hands and his, yeah, everything. It was gorgeous. It was. It was really, really lovely. And I think like... It kind of gives me hope that we are getting to Fozzy as we know him. Mm. This is definitely a step in the right direction. From something very sweet and very sincere and funny to one of the weirdest things I think I've seen as a human being. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It was absolutely crazy. It felt like some sort of weird 70s fever dream, like the crazy trippy monsters, the steam out of the nose, the crazy bird, like the weird duet with like, you are my sunshine. What was this sketch called? The sketch is called Hugga Wugga. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) That's what I assumed. (laughs) Hugga Wugga. 
Yeah, it's Hugga Wugga. The music was written by Joe Rapasso, who wrote Being Green, Sunny Days, you know, a lot of the Sesame and Muppet classics. And Jim Henson did the lyrics. So this this was something that he was very invested in. Um, I, I was reading on the Muppet wiki about it, and it was saying that Jim Henson loved jazz. And actually, this is like... Experimental jazz. <laughs> yeah, basically that like... This was a way of using the Muppets to, I guess, essentially, like, explore that and to kind of, like, you know, heighten his love of it. (sighs) I don't know. The first time I watched it, I think I was just quite disturbed. I felt very, like, uncertain about what was going to happen. And I think, like, just the sheer amount of smoke (laughs) on that planet, it was very unnerving because I guess you didn't know what was coming. Like, anything could have been lurking in that smoke. Yeah. (laughs) It was very impressive, though. (laughs) Yeah, but it was also quite... I suppose, in a way, it was also quite basic. Like, it was just that static camera, and then the they were using that smoke as the sort of on-stage, off-stage, weren't they, to dive under or put back up from. And yeah, and just the the tonal shift between Hugga Wugga and You Are My Sunshine, just, yeah, like, so incongruous, which I assume was the point, but... It was bizarre. And the way that the music shifted between that sort of like thumping bass line of Hugga Wugga to like a very, well, yeah, a very 70s rendition of You Are My Sunshine. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was strange. The combination of the the mashup of the two songs, the kind of Dalek modulation on their voices, and just the, the smoke stream out of yeah. that monster's mouth. I did really want to get shot by that smoke, though. I don't know why. I really want to know what that feels like. And also, I really like the smell of... I can't even... What do you call that stuff? Yeah, that I, they're like dry... smoke. Dry, is it like dry ice? It's not no. dry ice. It's um, Maybe it is dry ice. But it, it, it's the smell of school discos. Yes. And I love that smell. <laughs> that particular smell. So the idea of being blasted by it is quite pleasing to me. But also, this sketch was not pleasing to me. It was just very strange. Peter and I were just sitting there going... What? <laughs> what is happening? I thought it was very funny when he blasted the little yellow one and the little yellow one's head went flying. <laughs> that was just a really good visual gag. And then and then you then got another payoff of that in that the little yellow one popped back up again, which was very unexpected because you've just seen his head go flying. I loved the design of the yellow one. Yes. That little nice ergonomic teardrop yeah. up to his big yeah. eyes. Yeah, And I really liked the eyes on the, the pinky purple one too. They were really expressive that they kept moving in that sort of yeah. like crescent motion. Yes. I, I just also want to give a quick shout out to You Are My Sunshine. Another one of our Jim Henson memorial favourites. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness sake. <laughs> How long was this memorial? I don't know, but I just need to tell you all the people that sang this one because it's a lot. So this one was performed by Dave Goles, Kevin Clash, Frank Oz, Steve Whitmer, Jerry Nelson, and Richard Hunt. They all sang that one at the memorial. Wow. And and apparently not well, according to my frankly rather rushed research, but not as any characters. I think they all just sang it. Oh, that definitely would be a moment to step out for a refreshment, I think. If there's no Muppets <laughs> on stage, uh pop out for a cigarette (laughs) between act one and act two of memorial (laughs) yeah this this was definitely on the weirder side of (laughs) of the muppets i couldn't even think like how as i was sitting there i was like 
how am I meant to objectively review this or <laughs> discuss this? It's like a child putting on a show in your living room. You know, <laughs> the the plot makes no sense. The acting isn't very good, but you have to admire whatever tenacity it took to put this on <laughs> stage. So, you know, <laughs> what's going on? And we go from one bit of madness to obviously we have backstage and then to a explosion-filled Muppet Labs. Oh, uh, I know. I did wonder because we have had, especially in the last episode, like with Crazy Harry, we had about an explosion every five minutes. So I was kind of wondering what was going to happen <laughs> in this episode. But yeah, we're uh, at Muppet Labs and we've got the uh, exploding clothes. And I, I feel sorry for whoever was operating Dr. Honeydew because seriously, it was like an explosion waiting to happen. Like, first of all, the hat. And then the earmuffs. And then when the tie went up, I was like, oh, oh, we're getting a bit close here. It was crazy. I would not want my hand in that puppet during any of that. I'd be like, I'm going to lose a finger (laughs) for a puppet show. (laughs) When Dr. Bunsen Honeydew said, "Um, we at Muppet Labs are proud to introduce, I thought they were going to introduce Beaker. Again, I thought, oh, maybe they're going to introduce his lab partner. But no, it was just exploding earmuffs and (laughs) exploding hats. So many explosions. The first thing I noticed was the bowler hat. So when he well, when he quite. started to introduce <laughs> yeah. it, and I was like, I was like, presumably you're going to be talking about the hat. I'm very confused. <laughs> what if you had just gone the, the whole sketch and not talked about the hat? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would have also been great, wouldn't it? Like, just, just it's just a it's just a thing that Doctor <laughs> Doctor Bunsen's trying out. He's just trying it out. Am I a hat person? <laughs> Yeah, like uh, Hilda trying out wigs, just uh, Bunsen's still coming to terms with his boldness. And it's like, am I going to be a hat guy? (laughs) Again, there's not really much that you can actually sort of, you know, depending on how much you like explosions, (laughs) how much can you (laughs) talk about this sketch being good or bad? It was just, well, a puppet exploded four times and that was it. I thought it was quite well done, like... I suppose now watching it in HD, you could see between the cuts that they'd obviously used a specific exploding hat that had like the pyrotechnics in it. And then when they cut back again, it was a different hat, but it still obviously looked like it had been exploded and everything. I think technically it was actually really quite well done. And presumably nobody did lose a finger or, you know, half an eyebrow or anything. So I'm sure, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I think like, it's just a bit of Muppet silliness, but it was it was well done. I wonder if um, they all had to like sign disclaimers saying that they could be yeah. like subject to explosions and fireballs. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Henson Productions is not liable for any loss of fingers, eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or other extremities. Yeah, quite. Um, I did think of what we've been saying the last few weeks though around like, have they just got a load of pyrotechnics that need using up? Because the fact that you had so many in one sketch, like I know it's Muppet Labs, but it's still, even for Muppet Labs, that was a lot of explosions in one go. We're getting to the end of the season. They've got a backlog. They need to finish it. <laughs> 
It makes me think that when Hilda said it was all out war because Kermit immediately oh, yeah. recognised her, that actually she'd gone and spoken to <laughs> Dr. Bunsen and was like, can you get me some explosions? I need, I need some <laughs> I need some ammunition for my war that I'm waging. Yeah, imagine her like backstage throwing them all around <laughs> and being like, I am 35. <laughs> I was quite disappointed oh, yet God. again that this was the only little snippet of Gonzo we got this week was this little pocket camera gag that lasted i don't even know was it like as much as 20 seconds it felt like it was barely on screen not even yeah and it's so strange that they keep referencing gonzo in different points like he's a big substantial character and yet they don't use him for weeks on end or have him pop up just for a moment or in the opening titles especially given that kermit made that joke at the start about making gonzo seem like sir Lawrence olivier like a perfect opportunity to use gonzo's zaniness against someone who's on his level effectively i did not understand why this this was the only time that we saw him bring gonzo back you cowards i'm well we know we're gonna see more of him but i just want it to happen sooner (laughs) (laughs) now emma i'm just gonna prep you i don't know if you've already seen this but i think this might be the last veterinarian's hospital of this season I don't think we're going to see it again until season two now. Oh no, I'm absolutely heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just wanted to just wanted to let you know so that, you know, every week from now on, you're not like, where is it? Where's it gone? Where's Dr. <laughs> Bob? <laughs> I tell you who was also here though. And once again, one of my favourite one-off appearance seeming Muppets turns up again. Sentient bread! Yeah, I don't think it was French bread this week, though, was it? I think it was just no, bread. No, it was just regular, <laughs> regular bread. bread. He's come bread. back with a different accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as soon as that little covering got pulled off and my beautiful carby friend was there, I just... I was so happy. <laughs> so cute. Just to go back to the start of this sketch... What was Miss Piggy doing when we first cut to veterinarian's hospital? I know. I was trying to work out what was going on. I was like, I have no idea what she's doing. No, me neither. I thought she was just eating something oh. from a spoon, but obviously was just tucking it like right underneath her mask, which is obviously an unconventional way in which to eat something. <laughs> I really could not work out what she was doing. It was very strange. Mm. I loved the whole business with Piggy's mask this entire sketch, though. Like, it kept rising up and, like, getting in her way. And then, yeah, she was sort of trying to move it or trying to make sure that we could still see her eyes behind it. And, like, I don't know, it just really made me giggle that she was, like, having a fight with the mask. I mean, after a year of masking mishaps for all of us, I think it felt very relatable. Very relatable. Very relatable. She was ahead of her time. I did enjoy that final, well, the the two puns about what do you make of it, toast. Mm. And then at the end, when Janice asked if she should prep the anaesthetic, he said, Dr. Bob said, stand by with the marmalade. Oh, I know. That was great. can't eat my friend. <laughs> you want to bet? <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to eat him. That's the thing. <laughs> no, oh. not the bread. <laughs> well, to be fair, I barely eat bread as it is. <laughs> Damn carbs. And then before we had the final number, we had the 
the culmination of the runner, which we've already touched on. But <laughs> as soon as Kermit came round and was like, oh, she's beautiful. And you had Hilda in that, I don't know, how do we want to describe that wig? I don't want to give Emma sort of palpitations or anything, but... Uh, it's kind of it's far a... of force-city, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it that is. sort of it flicked is. out, blow out hair. Yeah. And that slinky pink number. Like... Yes. <laughs> oh. When he asked, when he was like, you're so slim. And she said, I've got very tight foundation garments. <laughs> <laughs> I love the term foundational garments. It's just like... <laughs> oh. yeah, I know I already said it, but the line of the, uh, my girdle had a blowout is just yeah. fantastic. And I love that we had to get one, one quick line of body positivity with Kevin saying, you're yes. beautiful just as you are. <laughs> After we've had yeah. the entire <laughs> sketch and runner be about how Hilda feels not happy with how she looks. And we had jokes about her waist, even though she's a very slim Muppet. <laughs> she's not even a big Muppet. Kermit's probably got more of a belly than she does. Where's his foundational garment? See, Lewis, that is exactly the point. That is the double standard. The double standard. Of what we hold frogs and <laughs> costume and mistresses Elderly to. costume mistresses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Let's, let's uh, move on to Muppet Orchestra. Another one of those situations where a celebrity or entertainer inexplicably has to have a second skill that they can't do quite as well because <laughs> they have to be ready to do a turn at any moment's notice. So suddenly we have Phyllis Diller playing a saxophone. <laughs> of course. It's like the classic move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> reminded me of and I'm trying to remember whether either of you would have been there when it happened when we were at primary school there was like a talent show evening and there was a kid playing a saxophone who was one really bad but two was getting so out of breath playing <laughs> that me and dad always used to laugh about he I swear this kid put his hand on the back wall to like <laughs> was playing to like keep himself upright and continue the note like <laughs> and that is immediately what came to mind I hadn't thought about it for such a long time but it really made me laugh that would have been amazing actually if she'd have got like that if she'd have got out of breath and <laughs> like trying to like gamely play the entertainer but then like needed to like rest a hand on the back of the set to like get some or breath just, or just have a hand on zoot just on his head just yes. like <laughs> And then, like, slowly been collapsing into the floor as she yeah. as she ran out of ran out of puff. <laughs> there were some really great reactions from in the yes, background from were. the Muppet Orchestra. Zoot, um, Rolf turning round, and just both of them looking really concerned at this very <laughs> adequate saxophone playing. 
<laughs> Rolf looked so annoyed. <laughs> he was like, I'm giving this my all here, and this is what I'm getting back. <laughs> You're ruining my perfectly good orchestra. And it was so nice to see Animal, because obviously Animal wasn't in the UK spot, so it was really nice to see Animal get a little a little moment of going crazy on the drums. Um, yeah, this was perfectly enjoyable, and I did enjoy that at the end Zoot came out and you had that sort of dueling sax off between the two of them. But I guess I kind of just feel a bit like, why did they feel like she needed to do a musical number? And again, not because I didn't necessarily massively enjoy the cabaret thing, but like, felt like she could have maybe had just another sketch rather than having to do a, a musical turn. Yeah, I see what you mean. I found it entertaining overall, but it was the weakest of her sketches for me. It just felt very kind of like, oh... The joke will be that she can't play the saxophone. So then we can obviously get away with the fact that she can't really play the saxophone. Yeah. It's like, it, it just felt a little bit uninspired, I guess. Yeah. I think they could have done a little bit more of it. Like there were some funny bits, like when it got stuck to her tongue, that was quite mm. funny. But they just didn't, they didn't really seem to build it at all, did they? Like like you say, yeah. they could have gone a little bit further and made it a little bit funny with her kind of either collapsing onto the floor or even they could have bought in like the trap door and like Zoot like pulling the rope, being like exasperated at how bad she's playing. So he just like, because obviously we know the rope, rope gag already. So we no would have, you know, coming. as an audience known what was coming, mm. which would have been quite funny. It took me a while to realise that to be sure that we were actually meant to be laughing at her playing for a long time. I was like, oh, this is not the best. And then realising, oh, that is the joke. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing. Like, I think they didn't necessarily heighten it enough mm. for that to be 100% clear. And like, you did have Rolf turning to look at her and you did have the orchestra kind of reacting. But again, they weren't reacting completely over the top of like, oh God, this is terrible. I think the whole thing could have just been turned up maybe not to 11 but certainly turned up to like nine or ten rather than like mm. this this felt like it was sort of about a seven i guess in terms of like yeah the comedic timing and like the energy of it and everything it did just feel a bit like this thing that had been tacked on the end of the episode as like oh god like we need to do something else yeah for sure and i will be very interested to see how we're all going to rank it actually but i suppose we still need to mention the goodbyes yes. first the we get the uh the the culmination of the, uh, the rope gag, trapdoor gag, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was very good. Yeah, it was fun. I liked that. Like we started with Kermit doing the goodbyes, but then it, you know, it was Phyllis and Fozzie had banded together to <laughs> to kick Kermit off the stage, and then for Fozzie to ultimately do the goodbyes. Yeah. But I also love that Fozzie then still went down the trapdoor. Like I love the idea that he's still so clumsy <laughs> that even though he knows it's there, he's still going down it. <laughs> It was good fun. And then the button on the end that, that Statler and Wardorf used the same, you know, <laughs> the same joke too. Yeah. And such a slow fall. Yes. As, <laughs> more, like an, more like an elevator than a trapdoor. <laughs> more like he was gently descending, like in a concert tour when somebody's like, boom, slowly going down <laughs> into the floor. They are old, Lewis. They can't be like throwing Wardorf around that much. He needs to... <laughs> Gently, <laughs> gently descend. Gently descend. <laughs> I think it might be time for us to do our MVMPs for the week. Emma, who was your most valued Muppet performer of this episode? Well, I did have to have a think about it this week because I wasn't quite sure who I was going to give it to. But then I decided 
purely because I'd done it on a previous episode where like Mildred kind of had her moment to shine. I've decided this week I'm going to give it to Hilda because I just think it's really nice because like you say, I mean, she eventually she just disappears and we don't actually ever see her again. And I just like the fact that she has her like little moment in the sun. She has really nice interactions with everyone. It's quite a funny runner and it's just nice to see her not doing her like same old same old so yeah I think for the fact that it keeps the runner going and it's just fun to see her play slightly different this week I'm gonna give it to Hilda how about you Jade? I'm the same I think it has to be Hilda this week because it's so nice to see her essentially get a bit of character development and to get a chance to shine Mm. and I think like a lot of the runners recently have been piggy or fozzy and as much as we love them it's also nice to get this sense of the Muppet theatre and the whole cast and crew that that work (laughs) together to put on these shows and I'm gutted that we know that obviously Hilda's not going to be around for an awful lot longer I think she's a really good character to have as part of the backstage crew of the Muppets and and obviously the runner is the perfect place for her because she shouldn't really be going on stage. Uh, she's the costume mistress. So it makes sense for her to have a bit of backstage business. So I loved, I loved having that this week. Lewis, are you making it three for three or are you, are you going elsewhere? I will make it three for three only because we'll never get the opportunity to yeah. uh, award Hilda again. But I will give another little MVMP shout out to Sentient Bread just because... <laughs> I am who I am. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's rank the episode. Um, do you know what? I'm going to go first. Oh, you treat yourself. Oh. Well, because I never do it. I am going to give this episode... See, this is a bit of a tough one. See, this is why I shouldn't have gone first now. <laughs> I didn't have time to think. No, now I'm going to uh, make you go first. I'm going to do it you. I'm going to... Yeah, pressure, pressure, <laughs> pressure. Yeah. I'm going to give it... 5.75 what? Phyllis Diller laughs oh my God. out of 10. Because it was not quite strong enough to be a 6, but it's not a 5.5. So I'm going right down the middle at 5.75 Phyllis Diller laughs. God, we're going to end up being on like 5.8297. Don't be ridiculous, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you see those like Olympic scores and you have no idea what's going on. You're like, is that good? I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, I like figure skating. Yeah. <laughs> you got a 62.9. Yeah. <laughs> so five and three quarters. <laughs> yes, a five and three quarters out of ten for Phyllis Diller's episode. I think there were some really, really great sketches in there, but there was a lot of weirdness. I enjoyed the runner with Hilda, but it, it, it was near the end, kind of like the same gag twice or thrice mm-hmm. even. But I loved that first sketch with Phyllis and Rolf so much. I know it wasn't for you, Jade, but it it was such a unique, nice little thing. And I'm so glad it exists. And it was just really cool to see Phyllis Diller perform because she's such a sort of trailblazer and such a, you know, a particular type of comedian that doesn't exist anymore and you know for being a woman in comedy at that time and I love that she's now on a Disney plus platform being you know shown to anybody who decides to watch the Muppet show like great how fun (laughs) who am I gonna choose (laughs) Emma (laughs) well 
again, a bit like you, Lou, I was, it was quite difficult for me to come up with a ranking um, because it's quite a sort of up and down episode, but I decided to give it six lassies left me out of ten. Purely because mostly Phyllis Diller is just great and like you, I really, I did like the sketch of her and Rolf. And we did have some good bits and, you know, some funny bits and obviously Veterinarian's Hospital, Muppet's Lab and also, you know, at the dance, it was quite nice to see that and actually the Muppet's News Flash. But then I didn't particularly like the like jug band or the weird trippy like hugger, wugger, you are my sunshine thing, whatever that was. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just felt like six was quite a good way to rank this one this week how about you jade i don't think it'll be a surprise to either of you that i'm going lower than both of you but only just i'm going to go five very tight foundation garments <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god why didn't i go for 5.75 busted girdles oh for goodness sake <laughs> gotta think about these things lewis gotta think about I these do, things. i put myself on the spot <laughs> I mean, you've both sort of touched on things, but I guess the main thing for me is that I understand absolutely that Phyllis Diller is a trailblazing figure in comedy. It's amazing that she was doing what she was doing when she was doing it. However, I don't actually think that this episode necessarily sort of made the most of that in the way that I would have liked. And then the fact that there were also those other sketches like Hugga Wugga and stuff in there, the whole thing just didn't really massively work for me I really I did enjoy the runner it was lovely to see Hilda I loved the talk spot but if they'd have done more of that kind of stuff with Phyllis Diller I think I would be this would probably be one of my sort of favorites because I really really did love that although arguably Fozzie was also doing a lot of the heavy lifting there but anyway it was it was a great two-hander between them and I absolutely loved seeing Statler and Mordorf at the dance but overall, I think it's very middle of the road. And I felt like there was some missed opportunities to really kind of hit home a bit more. And I think some of that is actually just to do with it being a 70s comedy show. And so the comedy is not necessarily translating for me today. I suppose what I'm more hopeful about than anything is actually that like we know that the writing is going to evolve you know, season two onwards. So I'd be curious to see when we get someone else a bit like Phyllis Diller, what that looks like in the future seasons. Because I think maybe sadly this in a way was like a victim of being a season one episode of The Muppet Show and then them loving the puns and loving the one-liners and not necessarily so invested in like the character development. So yeah, five very tied foundation garments. I'll lead into myself doing the Muppet philosophy, shall I, Lewis, seeing as I've gone last. <laughs> Hand over to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so Muppet philosophy this week. It's another another little snippet from Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones. This is, a, this is another really short one. I know I've had a short one two weeks running now, but I thought this was a really sweet point that Jim Henson made, which was around the Muppet characters and why it is that people love them. And I feel like, just so everyone knows, we're recording this just after the Muppets Haunted Mansion's been announced. And I think we've really seen this week how much people love the Muppets and how Mm. they are still very much a beloved part of popular culture. And Jim said, There's a nice, naive quality to this family of characters. I think people relate to their childlike quality, 
because everybody has that in themselves. Aww. And I think that's totally true. That is very true. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Muppetsational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And you can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com. And you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. So I had to just click back to the camera because I couldn't see. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jade Turner. And I've been Emma Chandler. We will see you next week on another episode of Muppet Sational. Bye! Bye! Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod. And our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at Charlie underscore R underscore Rudge on Instagram.